Thanks, Chrissy. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, you guys. This is really special. Um, when Chrissy said that you guys were having a Women's Week and asked if I would come, I was, this is really, really special. So thank you. And fair warning, I'm going to cry a lot today. <laughs> oh, all right. So um, as a teenager, I used to come to prayer gathering all the time on Wednesday nights after church. Do you guys still have prayer gathering? Yeah, or praise gathering, I guess. Um, and I remember being right down here at the altar. I had my Capri jean overalls on, uh, my hair cut like Jennifer Aniston from Friends. And never in that moment did I think that I would be asked or be speaking here at chapel. And definitely I didn't think that I would be talking about feminine hygiene <laughs> um, and how, feminine, how God is using feminine hygiene to reach unreached people. Um, and uh, gentlemen, I just want you to know that I do know that you are here. This is not health class, so I left my diagrams at home. Um, but uh, I do hope that what we share today will be helpful and insightful for all of us. And uh, so I'm going to pray, and then I've got a, a video to show you that will kind of encapsulate everything before I start sharing. So God, we thank you. You are just so sweet in this place today. And I ask that you would help us to receive from you, help us to hear from you. We just praise you and we exalt you. In your name we pray. Amen. What it means for women to have a period in Nepal is that you are outcast during that period of time. You use whatever you have available blood. So when you're not out of school, when they get all the inflammatory diseases, when they get urinary tract infections. It's just very, like, you know, saying, talking about, like, signature disease, menstrual disease, because of the culture, it's very hard to break. So we were told to start in her in order to provide for feminine hygiene. What we've come to realize is that women who don't have the capacity to feed their children view feminine hygiene products as a complete luxury in Nepal. The lower caste are believed to have done something in their previous life that caused them to be born in this low caste position. They can't go to markets, they can't go to doctors, they can't go to temples and be on public. They risk being beaten or killed. And women in the Mahi community particularly risk being raped. So the women who grew up in this past, they want whatever it wants. They want to be free, to move around in society, to have a life purpose. Society doesn't get that. Getting involved, women who suffer a lot just to years, it's because culture. It's like the white people, you know? We were forced to, you know, to prostitution. It was not our choice. We're not happy to do this, but there is no other option. So when a woman gets pregnant in the body community, it is common for traffickers to buy her child. So they will promise the child to a trafficker sometime in the future at age 10, 11, 12. They are doing it because they don't think they have an alternative. Because they don't have access to the normal economic needs. They don't have access to the they don't have access to economic markets where they can sell something else. So if they're only going to make a dollar or two a day by shoveling rocks into a truck, but they can make 
five dollars a day by selling their body. Yeah, they made you stuff. So what are we gonna do about helping women who are selling themselves or their children? We can reach women, we can empower them, we can change how they perceive themselves and their life choices by introducing them to the idea that they can become businesswomen to start these small agricultural enterprises, primarily mushroom farming and goat farming. It's all about like women empowerment because it's gonna change women's life for sure. They're gonna change financially, physically, and it's all gonna change that women's like mentally being so so. The idea is to disciple them as well as teach them about basic economic agriculture. To help the women and girls who would otherwise be left with no option but to sell their bodies to sell their system. So that feminine hygiene eventually becomes not a luxury, but something that's just a normal part of their daily life. And this is how this is all gonna work. You know, like we're gonna change whole country, whole nation. All the our like you should need to know the love like Jesus Christ. Because they need to know. God loves them so much. I've seen that video a thousand times and I still cry. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my friend Hannah. Hannah Body, you just saw her in the video. And I met her through um, the ministry that we started with um, Venture. Uh, Venture, we plant churches, rescue girls from trafficking, and serve poor communities all over the world. And Hannah was pre-sold into slavery like Kristen had described in that video. And as a young girl, um, but before she was brought into the brothel, she was rescued, which is awesome. And in Nepal, they have a caste system, and the lowest caste system is the delete or the untouchables. And Hannah's people are the lowest of that lowest caste. And in their own country, they are known as the trafficked people. They are one of the highest per capita trafficked people in the entire world. Her people are considered lower than dogs. So let's say you're walking to a friend's house and a mangy dog hits you on the, on the leg, you're, you're gonna be fine. <laughs> but if someone from Hannah's people were to touch you, you'd be considered unclean and you'd have to go wash. It's a lot, it's intense. But Hannah, she has risen above all of this. She is the first female high school graduate in the history of her people group. She has been interviewed multiple times on national television in Nepal advocating for human rights. She has started a business. She has personally been involved in rescuing body girls from brothels in India. And she is a force. And she is absolutely incredible. And I'm really, really proud of her. And uh, do we have those pictures of, of her up here? There we go. There's Hannah. That was just taken recently. Isn't she beautiful? Um, so she was able to stay with us for Christmas one year. And over a cup of chai, we were sitting. And she was starting to tell me about the women in Nepal, as you do as you're talking and having chai. Um, and um, she was sharing about how women don't know what's going on in their bodies when they're having puberty or when they're starting their periods. A lot of them actually think that they're dying. And so um, 
she began to do more research and we began to learn more and what we found really stunned us. Um, women aren't allowed to eat certain foods when they're on their periods. They're not allowed in the kitchen. They're not allowed to look men in the eyes because they might make them sick or even make them sterile. And the other thing that we learned um, was about chapati. I'm probably mispronouncing it. I try so hard to say it right and I always say it wrong. Um, but it's outlaw, but it is still practiced in a lot of communities. So we can show the next um, slide. Um, so when a girl is having her period, they're forced outside of the village. Um, she is made to stay in a hut in the jungle all alone for three to seven days. Sometimes these women are attacked by wild animals. They're exposed to the elements, hot, cold, snow, whatever is happening. And during that time, they also do not go to school. And so... Week after week, month after month, the girls cannot make up the work, so they end up dropping out of school. And because of this, they don't finish their education, and it leaves them very vulnerable. They don't have a way to generate income for themselves, and so they become extremely vulnerable to trafficking. So if we're going to prevent trafficking in Nepal, we have to go upstream, and we actually have to address the stigmas around feminine hygiene. So Hannah told me, hey, you need to come to Nepal and teach these girls. And I just kind of laughed. I'm like, I am a mom from Lakeville. I am not a nurse. <laughs> and she said, that is totally fine. What, you have daughter, you have a daughter, just whatever you told her, come and tell us. Um, and so speaking of my daughter, here's my family. There they are, Colin and Sydney. And then Jay um, is from Myanmar and hopefully going to be joining our family this next, officially joining our family this um, next month. Um, legally. Um, uh, most dinners, you will find us laughing, and the girls will laugh so hard that they fall on the floor. They're hilarious. Um, we love to play um, nerf, nerf Gun Wars, even though we're all grown adults, and we run around the house in the dark and shoot each other with Nerf Gun bullets. Um, Hannah was with us one time, and she just thought we were nuts. <laughs> um, and one of our family's core values um, is find what wrecks you and feed it. And something, that, what, you, what grabs your heart, what makes you cry, what makes you mourn, what makes you tick, right? There's something there. And so that afternoon in my conversation with Hannah, that wrecked me. And it totally changed the direction of my life. So a year later after that conversation with Hannah, we headed to Nepal with a small team, a nurse, and 100 reusable feminine hygiene kits, and I have one here, so if anybody want, wants to see it, you can come up afterwards and take a look at it. Um, we didn't know how the girls, girls were going to respond. Um, and when they came in, they were super nervous, giggling, you know, when you're nervous. <laughs> um, and uh, we started teaching, and their eyes were wide, but they were really hungry. They were just absorbing everything, writing it down. Like I have pictures where they've got the diagrams of anatomy on these pages and they're talking about it with their friends and and what was really really amazing is that by the end of this teaching they were laughing they were full of joy and they their entire countenance had changed we had simply shared about how they were made how to ask questions if they were feeling sick how to take care of themselves and it was beautiful to watch it was like something was awakened inside of them so since that training, we have trained 15, at least 15 master trainers, female master trainers. And last year alone, this, these women and their network of ambassadors were able to teach feminine health and hygiene and share these reusable feminine hygiene kits with over 5,000 women.
They're amazing. So now moms are teaching their daughters differently. They are teaching their children. And it is causing generational transformation inside of these villages, which we never, like, how crazy is that? It's so amazing. Um, and so this year we were blown away, um, not only that the women were participating, but the men were coming and joining these trainings. And they were crying, crying, because they had never heard this stuff before, and they had no idea what their daughters and their wives were going through. And uh, pastors have been attending these trainings, and they have been buying sanitary pads with their own money and putting it in the church bathrooms and from the platform, addressing these stigmas. You guys, you can't make this stuff up. It's like God is just awakening that people. It's so amazing. And... Um, and only are the women feeling empowered, learning about their bodies. The men are coming alongside. We are seeing feminine hygiene being used as a tool, this curriculum, because it is hard for women to enter into surrounding villages and without a compelling reason. That's just how their culture is. And so when they have this tool of feminine hygiene curriculum, it allows her to be able to go into these different villages, share the training, share the gospel, and plant churches. Um, these women are absolute rock stars, and I get to tell you about Esther. There she is. She is hilarious, by the way. She, I, I don't have time to go into some of the funny stories about her, but she's really funny. Um, she walks through tiger-infested jungles to unreached people group areas to share the gospel, and she uses feminine hygiene. She trains and teaches, sees the needs in the community, and goes from there. In one of these villages, she saw two boys that were crippled, and she just went on over to them. She prayed for them. They got up, and they started walking. <laughs> and a majority of this village has come to faith um, and been baptized. And feminine hygiene curriculum was what gave her access to the community. And God just breathed, and he has begun to do the rest. Um, OK, and it keeps going. More doors keep opening. So recently, my husband was in Dubai meeting um, with church planning leaders. These leaders are amazing uh, men and women of God who've planted over like 10,000 house churches. And Ryan was just briefly mentioning about feminine hygiene and the training. And they began to share that the women in their countries had the exact identical problems. And so this next year, we're going to partner with these church planning movements in countries all over the world. Um, to teach them and train them in feminine health and hygiene so that they can use that as a tool to be able to go into unreached people group areas. It's amazing. So as this program has grown, my friend Leslie, who's an incredible businesswoman, she approached me and said, why don't we start a business to fund this project? So we started, we started the Her Inc., um, it's a buy one, give one business, and we sell period panties. <laughs> um, and for every period panty that we sell, we give a feminine hygiene kit and education to the girls that I just talked about. Um, and our business allows us to sustainably fund all these feminine hygiene kits. And uh, Christy encouraged me to share our website, and we've got a QR code um, for all the North Central students. So if you guys want to scan that, you can fill out the information, and then we'll um, just a couple of questions, and then we'll get you um, a discount code if you guys want to go try our period panties. So um, when Hannah and I were sitting on um, our couch and we were sharing, I never thought that God would use a girl from Nepal 
and a mom from Lakeville to begin to bring changes. You know, it's just wild that God will put us together. (laughs) And when you think about it, Christianity was first announced by a village girl, which is really encouraging and just, I don't know why I didn't realize that until recently. So I want us to look at um, John 20. It says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, why are you crying? They, had taken my Lord away. they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, teacher. And Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I haven't ascended to the Lord or to the Father. Go to your brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Excuse me. Mary went to the disciples and with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Jesus did beautiful things to empower women while he was on earth. Christianity is unique that the first person to see Jesus and to say, I have seen the Lord, was an oppressed minority female from a small village who had been a prostitute, Mary. Isn't that beautiful? She was a first witness. She she saw Jesus, and she went and told others. Jesus chose to reveal himself as a resurrected king to a woman. Not not, Not someone of great importance like a king or somebody that you would think important in the world. Um, but a woman who had been oppressed, a minority, and once a prostitute. It's just mind-blowing. And God has not stopped there. He is using women like Esther. He is using women like Hannah. He's using other women that we don't know their names to go forth and bring his gospel and to do incredible things for people in this world. So, as we end today, I want to challenge each one of you with our family of value to find what wrecks you, and defeat it. If something grabs your heart, pray into it. Learn about it. Step out and do something about it. And you will be amazed at what God does with unassuming people. I am an example of that. (laughs) It's how Jesus started Christianity, with one unassuming woman speaking out, and look what has happened. And today... um, some of you might need to take some time to pray before you go off to class and you know, finish out the rest of your day. Um, what is wrecking you? There might be some things that have been dormant inside of you for a while, and you just need to take some time to kind of rekindle them. So I want to encourage you, if you want, you can come to the altar, you can stay in your seat, or take some time in your dorm room later. But let God start, stir your heart for what breaks his. Um, and I would love to pray for all of you. Um, I've actually been praying for you for a few weeks, and I just feel just how sweet God's spirit was this morning um, when we were singing, just that he really, truly loves you guys. And it's um, he wants to lead you in deeper so that you guys can know him in a deeper way. And as he begins to just stir that stuff in you. Um, so I'm going to pray, all right?
So Lord God, we just come to you and we say, come, birth within each one of us, whatever it is that needs to be birthed inside of each one of us. Bring transformation, bring change. What breaks your heart? Because that's what we want. We want to receive from you. We want to be your hands and feet. We praise you and we thank you because you are good and you are faithful. And you want to use each one of us. In your mighty name I pray. Amen.